right, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode, a special episode of BS and Bourbon. As always, I've got my co-host here, James, but also with me, I've got Daniel. Everybody knows Daniel on the show, but a super very special guest, the president of Sagamore Spirits, Brian Tracy. Everybody say hello, Brian. Hey, Brian. How's it going? How's, it going? How's everybody doing? So, Brian, um, we, uh, like I was telling you earlier, you know, we picked the very first barrel of Sagamore Spirits in Georgia for a store up here in Brazelton called Corking Keg, mm-hmm. the number one seller of Sagamore Spirits in the state of Georgia. And we just picked another one that hopefully is going to be coming in later this summer. Man, you're hitting home runs with some of these rice. And now that you're at seven years old, um, talk, talk to us a little bit more about the single barrel select program. And then maybe we can start talking about a few other things. You know, um, one, uh, appreciate you guys being the first to take that plunge. It's never easy, but then, uh, the rest usually follow. I remember when Carrie called me and, and said, I got some great news and, uh, usually just starts with one and it kind of rolls from there. But our barrel select program, I think is, is quite a bit unique being as small as we are, uh, Rye whiskey, unlike a lot of other whiskeys, really tends to hit its its sweet spot in this in this six seven year program, and we're right in there right now. And so, for us to be able to open up, allow folks like you guys to really come in, give you I think what we hopefully gave you is several choices, four or five choices to kind of run through, make sure you felt great about your pick, um, and then bottling this up at 110 proof, six year old whiskey and. I don't know what you guys are retailing for. What do you guys got on the shelf for? I think we were $54.99 on it. That's insane. I mean, you tell me 110 six-year-old rye whiskey, barrel select, that's that's in the 50s. That's unbelievable value. So, I mean, I hope, you know, the consumer appreciates that, that you guys aren't gouging them or anything along those lines and finds that product to be unbelievable good value. For me, it's insane, the, the taste, the, the different profiles. I went to one place that picked four barrels out themselves, and I did a tasting, and it's amazing how drastically different all four barrels were that they even picked. So it's a fun program. Well, it is. And, and last year, she even went to bringing four that were pulled in the fall and four that were pulled in the spring. So we got to taste, taste barrel differences depending on what time of year they were pulled. That was something I'd never experienced before. Yeah, they ate samples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys recall any of like, the differences that jumped out at you? I remember the spring ones being a little bit oakier. I can't remember. Uh, I <laughs> want to say it was the, spr- the spring ones. We drank, uh, we drank a lot that day. It was a good tasting, <laughs> yeah. right? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. she also brought uh, the cognac finish and the port finish and samples of your whole lineup. We tried your whole lineup that day, plus eight barrels. Eighty-three, <laughs> the double oak, the cast straight, and we had the pork finish for it. I don't think Tanya was not yet, uh, but we tried all of those so everybody could try the the standard Sagamore line that's available everywhere. But then we started with eight barrel samples, and then we went through eight, then we narrowed it down to like three, and then picked one out. So by the time we were done, we uh, we were kind of loaded. But we hit a home run. I'm drinking it again right now. It is great. Yep, I got a bowl. <laughs> I think it's interesting you call out the oakiness, you know, in that spring, right, in the, in the winter, right, it kind of, it sucks it kind of back out of that wood. In the spring, it hasn't gotten real hot yet because summer hasn't kicked in, hasn't gone back into that wood. So I think what you're speaking to as far as the little bit of oakiness to it uh, sounds about right. Yeah, we, uh, 
we did a we did a second label for the bottle. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, Brian. I'm sure Carrie's probably showed it to you. But um, on the back, we did a label, and it was called the Sagamore Sleeper. So we got the triple diamond logo on there, and then we uh, kind of went off the bottleneck that you have with the that part. Yeah, that's the, the imprint of our bottle. Like, you stuck that in the snow or the sand, that's the exact imprint of our bottle. Um, yep, exactly. That's why I picked that. It, was a, it matched the bottom of the bottle. So we got a state of George on there, and it's got a barrel date on there for 111.13, and then a bottle date of 711.19 for six and a half years to the date. That's fabulous. And, now, what's uh, the sleeper all about? We know the fact that five more sleeper. Why? Because everybody was sleeping on it, man. No, nobody's no. picking it up. You and, know? and it's and it's the truest sense of a sleeper. You know, nobody knows about it. Nobody's seen or heard about it. But you know, it's like it's like a Capri station wagon rolling up next to you at a traffic light, but you don't know it. But it's got a four fifty four big block under the hood. The <laughs> next thing you know, you got your doors dusted. It's like that. I mean, you don't you don't you don't know anything about this. It, it comes out of nowhere. And then you try it and you're blown away by the juice and it's fantastic. I can yeah. see how it's too in a Capri station wagon. <laughs> I can see y'all right now. Right. One of the things that I'm fascinated with is the fact that you blend two different mash bills. Can you go through that whole process of, you know, where did the idea for the two mash bills start? The distillation now of the two different mash bills, you know, how the maturation of the two go into the barrel and then come out of the barrel just kind of let's just go through that whole thought process i know it's a lot and i'm throwing a lot on you but um that to me the, the blend right there and and how y'all discovered it and when it goes in the barrel i think it's fascinating yeah it's a great question because you really don't see many folks doing it and it has its layers of complexity because it's it's challenging to, to bottle that, that taste profile that we, that Maryland style taste profile that we constantly want and be consistent, right? We think it's incredibly important to be consistent. You buy a bottle once, you like it, make sure you go back again, it's gotta be great again. And so kind of like you mentioned, we, we bottle, we, we distill one that's almost 100% rye. We distill one that's 95% rye, 5% malted barley, and we'll age that separately four to six, seven years, depending on the product. And then we do one we call our barely legal rye. It's 52% rye, 44% corn, 4% malted barley. And then we'll age that separately, you know, four, five, six, seven years, depending on the product. And then every one of our products has a blend of those two. And there's so many reasons why that is. Um, we like the way you get the classic rye spicy complexity notes on the front that everybody looks for. But we're also kind of on this Maryland style looking for something that we might refer to as not as angular, kind of has this like interesting, smooth, almost sweet, fruity profile finish to it. We kind of almost like we sometimes refer to it as bourbon. It's a bourbon's drinker rye. Really not angular. We think the balance of those two mash bills gives it the best of both worlds where you get the spice notes that you want, but this really interesting finish that makes it really approachable, really nice tasting flavorful whiskey without that bitterness and a nice long finish as well. And so, and again, people say, well, why don't, why don't you just make one mash bill? That's, you know, the whatever ratio that comes out, say it's 77% rye. The maturation of the grain inside the barrel is, is super complex. And so a lot of times you see why is, why does malt whiskey, you know, Scotch malt whiskeys take so long to get the sweet spot? Why does bourbon take so long to get to a sweet spot? Why does rye, 
maybe not take as long as those others to get to that sweet spot. And that's the grain and the way it's reacting against the wood. So for us to go ahead and take one that's barely legal, got a bunch of corn in it, allows us to kind of, you know, accelerate a lot of that aging and bring out some of those sweet notes. And then we also have the, the rye, which also will age even faster than compared to one that's, you know, a bourbon mash bill or something along those lines and really allows you to get the complexities. And then, you know, as you know, we have our signature rye, we got our double oak, we got cash strength, and then we'll have our Sagamore Reserve Series where we do different types of finishing. We can then change up the way we marry those two mash bills throughout every product so they're a little bit different and unique every time, meaning double oak doesn't taste like signature. And our Sagamore Reserve Series can vary from, from batch to batch a little bit because we can change up the blend of our two rye mash bills. And this really kind of went back way back in the beginning when we started, um, we're fortunate enough to have Larry Ebersole on the product. And um, he, he kind of brought these to me when we discussed Maryland style rye. So I could kind of go on and on about it, but I'll, I'll stop there and see where you want me to go a little deeper. But Larry and I kind of kicked it around and really want to give a nod to the Maryland style rye. And those two mash bills, blending them, aging them separately, and then blending them together allow us to do that. I know real quick, uh, Brian, let me touch on the double oak because the double oak happens to be my favorite of the regular lineup that's on the shelf. I think it has a great flavor. Now, most of what you're aging is number three char, correct? Correct. And then the double oak, it is pulled and then put in a number one char, correct? Yeah, it's 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 controversial depending on which end of the barrel you're at. It, it can get to one char on one end, but the other side's probably still just a heavy toast. Um, you know, uh, our cooperage doesn't necessarily hate it from flames all the time on both sides. Um, and so you kind of get, you'll see some a little bit charred, but it's, it's, uh, we'll say it's a one, but I, I really, a lot of times look at it as a heavy toast. I love the, I love the flavor that, that we get from those two different finishes. And I think it's the best drinking one of your regular lineup, you know, in a, in a big way. I really like the double X. So it's a, it's an excellent sipper, um, you know. And one thing you were saying, the Maryland-style rye, you know, it's kind of like a, a bourbon drinker's rye. You know, that's a great way that I've been able to explain that to, you know, our customers that come in our store and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've, the best way I can put it to them is like, this is in between a high-rye bourbon and a 95.5. It is right in the middle. So I call it the entry-level rye, kind of. You know, it's, it's people that, and meaning that, you know, people that really aren't, a rye whiskey fan, they're they're skeptical of going into rye because they don't think they like that spice. It's like, try this. Give it an honest chance. You're gonna come back and buy another bottle. And they do. I like the way you approach that. That that's really kind of the idea behind our signature, our 83 proof. Folks that are newer to rye whiskey, newer to whiskey in general, making something that's really palatable. You know, I'll do I'll be doing a tasting somewhere at a store, like a store like yours. You know, people come in and I'll say, try a little rye whiskey, and they're like, oh, I'm I'm okay. And you go, come on, the price is right. You're not, there's no charge to sip on it. And then they give it a little sip and it's always like the kind of head goes back and it's like, wait, this is actually really good. <laughs> and that's what we were striving for. You know, you want something big and bold. We got our cash strength for you, but you know, you know, those other ones, we like the idea of it being nice and approachable that barrel, that double Oak, you know, you don't see many double Oak rise. And it's got a real, it's a little polarizing because that toasted oakiness kind of, you either love it or hate it, but it seems to be people really, really drinking it up. 
96.6 proof, got tons of rye spice, but a really interesting sweet finish from that second layer of wood sugar it gets out of that second aging in that toasted wave state barrel. I'm going to have to open it now. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, so... I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> so when you've you got to make these single barrels, what does that come about? What it is is um, we um, let our, our distilling team kind of typically decide what the low mash bill profile should be for the barrel select program. They'll usually pick that. And then we're letting you guys pick the high, um, the high ride mash barrel mixed with it. And then when we put the two together, then you're tasting what you're basically a finished profile. So you end up kind of creating your own blend that no one else will ever have. Okay. Yeah, we had you know, four samples and three out of the four were very similar. It's kind of a off the wall funky one. Which one was that, James? Uh, number twenty two. Twenty two. Yep, like and uh, yeah, it's, it's the one with the most gone because <laughs> because it was it was different. It had a little funk to it. Um, it was unique. Um, so it is interesting that, like I said, three out of the four were very similar, and it was almost splitting hairs. But then one stood out not not in a bad way. Just yeah, this one's unique. And um, so I could definitely see if you had six to eight sitting there, like we did last year, you could have two or three single barrels that are actually quite different. Yeah, we make we try to pull um, the barrels for this program uh, from different lots, if you will, to make sure that they can they can tend to jump out and and there'll be some noticeable differences in there. It can vary a little bit, obviously. Some are more drastically noticeably different than others. Um, but, uh, and then they usually, when they really stand out during the tasting, they really tend to draw you in a little bit, which is kind of fun. James, what what'd you remember about that? What, what'd you like about it most? Um, 22 was, the nose was, was knockout. It, yeah. it heads and, and tails above everything else. The, the taste was similar. The finish was a little bit shorter is why these guys didn't, we didn't go with it. I wish we would have, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna email you and say, hey, where did uh, where did barrel 22 go? Because I want to get one. <laughs> <laughs> you better save the rest of that sample, or I'll murder both of you. <laughs> That's, That's his. Perfect. Yes. Look at him. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, all of them. All of them were great. You know, when you get four, you know, three to four barrels, something like that. We've we've been on a lot of tastings. And normally you have just one that stands out in that, in that scenario. But, but the, I mean, three of these could have been picked easily for the store easily. And they would have been good sellers, good drinkers, and we would have all been happy with it. Yeah, that's great. And even the fourth wasn't bad. It just, when you have, you know, you have a three supermodels sitting there and then you have just a, you know, normal pretty girl, you know, it's, you can't go wrong either way, really. Maybe my wife. <laughs> all, all the samples you could have thrown a blanket over them. It was it was hard to pick out the differences and stuff like that. But the nose yeah. on twenty two was really good. The nose on the one we picked on forty four was right on its heels, right yeah. on its heels. And uh, I think it it beat it on the finish that it had. So it had a little bit more of like that uh kind of oily kind of cream, and as we kind of look for in a finish that really really kind of leaves that last you know 
good character, good taste in your mouth once you swallow it, whiskey. So yeah, nice long mouthfeel. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Hard to beat mouthfeel. So <laughs> whiskey, I'm whiskey. We're talking about whiskey. So transitioning from the single barrel program to these uh the finished series. You just you won a, a big award last year for one of your finished barrels, uh the port finish. Uh, you won the world's best rye whiskey with this port finish. Tell us about, you know, the inspiration going into, you know, why you decided to take your product and finish it in a port barrel. How long did it sit in the port barrel and, and kind of go through that whole process. And then you can expand because I've got the Calvados here that we're going to drink here in just a second and talk to you about. But kind, kind of talk to us about that because you've got the Calvados is your fourth one. So. Yeah, we've had a, a lot of uh, fun with this program. You know, the Sagmore Reserve program is we'll try to release one to two a year. Um, and the amount, the quantity can is varies from every release. Sometimes we get more, sometimes we don't have much at all. Um, we started with one that was a Muscatel barrel. Uh, we eventually moved on to um, port. And the thing about port, which we always think is interesting, is, you know, obviously you see a lot of bourbons done with it. You see a few rise, but not many rise. And port's always been known to be a little bit sweet. So kind of to take that rye spice and kind of put a little bit of those sweet notes behind it. And the way I, I always really appreciate the way our operation team does this is they really try and define how do you leave it in the barrel just long enough to pick up those notes, but it still be a rye whiskey. We don't want to walk away from it saying, well, that tastes like a port now. Um, we just want hints of it, just want notes of it, just want a kiss of it. And so the um, port barrel um, finish was, was great. So we happened to source about 19 casks. 15 of them came from a little vineyard in Maryland, actually, named Bordy. And then the rest came from Europe. Uh, and then we went ahead and took a blend of our two mash bills. We dropped them in there and uh, did six months inside those barrels. Pulled it out, bottled it, I think, at 101. That ended up being good enough to win world's best rye whiskey at San Francisco spirit competition in 2019. So if you're lucky enough to have a bottle or still can find a bottle, good luck. But we sourced some cognac barrels that had cognac in them for 30 years. And then we finished our rye whiskeys in there for nine months. Yeah, there it is. And finishing that for nine months and just kind of got just again, nice rye spice, baking spice, got a 98 point rating and then just a hint of almost like this sweet brown sugar creme brulee finish. I love that. That's another big, I'm a big fan of that. If you ever up, sometimes they're so small, you kind of want to know about the test pilot. Um, and the way it works is sometimes we'll grab a bottle or two or barrel or two and just try it out. So here's one that we did, rum casks. Ooh. We just had a couple of, of barrels. And so we'll do this. We'll release it at the distillery. You know, maybe this is bottle 415, so, you know, a few hundred bottles. We'll see how it's received, how the public likes it, and then we'll see if we'll, we'll consider to take it up a, another level to the next level, like this Calvados finish. I mean, I'd like to see that rum finish at cast strength. Rye in a rum barrel at cast strength. Yes. Oh, yeah, Vintners. Man, you got a classic there. That was Maryland only. Mm -hmm. we, we got that when we were at the distillery bottling our barrel that's great i like that one a lot that was a uh, blend of uh, multiple types of red wine barrels um so port shiraz and uh cab and so that's a really great one as well 
He won an award for the cognac finish too. It looks like it was the Denver International Spirits Competition. So you won a double gold there. Double gold there. Yeah. And got a 98 point rating. Trying to think of who gave us that rating. But someone someone did. It was great. Uh, so we'll take it. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite of the lineup so far that y'all put out? I know they're all your baby and I'm sure you, you love them all, but is, is there one that tugs at you a little bit more? I think he might have froze. I think we lost yeah, him. We lost, <laughs> we lost him. He froze. This we'll is where to, editing comes into play. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to edit that out. So. Yeah, we're going to have to edit. <laughs> Dang. Kind of get back to what I was talking about. Do you, do you have one that's kind of your, your favorite that like, hey, if we get a chance to do that again, I really want to do that again. Is there, is there one that stands out to you in the uh, reserve lineup? I really have. Like, I really like that Vintner's finish. Was I, I like that a lot. The – the cognac was, was I, I first I didn't know what to think we were about this cognac finish, and I was shocked with how good that was. Um, and I, I, I do really like the port. I really do. And, uh, you know, the, the Calvados, i, I got to be honest, wasn't sure what to think of that. And it had its trials and tribulations, and it's turned out to be pretty amazing. How about that? My cap broke. <laughs> well, if you jerk it that hard, Daniel. As you said, you get the kiss of the port, which is nice. Now, this Calvados, that's, um, you said apple brandy, right, Daniel? Yeah, that's an apple brandy. And I really get, yeah. I get more of the apple brandy than I did the port. This is sweet. Um, this is a great, this is going to be a great summer drinker right here. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, it's, it's, it's sweet. It's got a little bit of rice spice to it, but man. But see, I, I don't drink my stuff over ice, so I need something that's nice and light and sweet during the summertime. Yeah. Is it? Question, Brian. Is there maybe any plans for a sherry finish fry? Oh, he's looking. Uh-oh. He's, look, he's looking. He might have one on the desk. He just can't show it yet. Uh, it must be downstairs. Ah, yeah. so there is plans for a sherry finish fry. So, yeah, just like the rum cast, this is our, dis- this is our distillery exclusive series. So, again – it's kind of like the pilot system for all of the reserve series. And uh, we did a sherry finish. And I'll say that we really liked it. That's good. I'll look for that when I'm up when we're up there. I'll, I'll have to get a bottle of that. We'll tell Carrie to take a look for us. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, make one and send it under the counter for when we do stop in. Guys, y'all know I have relationships with all the gift shops. I'll just make a friend and we'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah. Start that hat model. <laughs> hey, hey, I am a hat model. Leave me alone. Yeah, is there, is there yeah, a Sagamore hat? Yeah, you, you have to be published on a website to be considered a hat model. They have not published you yet. And I don't think they will publish you. <laughs> hey, I, I friended the old the gal in the in the, in the gift shop, and I've, I've been talking to her about it. She's going to make it happen. It will be. <laughs> okay. There's a hat right there. You get one of these. I have one of those. I just can't find it right now. I've been I'm, I've moved this month, so I can't find that one. And then I have one of those Heather Gray Under Armour ones, and I can't find that one right now either. That's that's why I'm wearing one of your hats. It's not your brand, but um, my barbershop's been closed because of coronavirus, and I don't want anybody to look at my hair. So, yeah, well, I don't have a hat. What in the world? I don't have a hat. You got a damn thing in my head. <laughs> I'm sending you an email. <laughs> yeah, that's why I need a hat. I don't have the hair to protect the head, okay? Hey, no <laughs> game I had to hide his five heads. Yeah. yeah. You know. So, yeah, I mean, that was one of my questions. So, my favorite clothing brand is Under Armour. I love their fishing shirts. 
I love their t-shirts. I love their fish, um, their polos, their shorts. I love their underwear. I don't need to mention it either. That's all I wear. I'm going to tell y'all a secret. My wife loves their underwear. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How, how, how cool is that to be associated with such a good company like that? I tell you, you know, um, it's just an honor to be able to uh, have there's Baltimore in general. People just underestimate how many great things are kind of going on up here. And, you know, the fact that the headquarters, the world head global headquarters for Under Armour and everything started right here and they're still here today. And the fact that we have access and in, in, uh, to the, in my opinion, one of the greatest visionaries, one of the greatest entrepreneurs of all time uh, is awesome. And the fact that we get to pull the spring water off of Sagamore Farm which is some of the highest grade quality spring water in the mid-Atlantic region and use that for proof in our whiskeys uh, is sensational. And so to have the ability as a startup company, which now we're kind of transitioning into the growth company since we've been at it for a few years and to have the ability to tap a guy. Oh yeah, there you are planking. Uh, be able to tap someone who's, you know, who knows what it's like to be scrappy and on the ground and get it started and build something great uh, is awesome. It's awesome, and and we are we love their clothing line. As you can imagine, our gift shop has a lot of it, and uh, it's an honor to be you know doing our part in Baltimore to hopefully be one of the next great companies people talk about. You know, a couple of things about that too. I love what Kevin's done with the Under Armour brand and what he stands for, and you know he really gives back to the city of Baltimore and the whole Maryland area a lot. And you know the guy's really passionate about his. The history around Baltimore is really passionate about his Maryland heritage. He's really passionate about a lot of stuff. And, you know, one reason why, you know, there is a Sagamore Spirit Distillery, you know, is because of Baltimore. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, from what my history, I could be wrong here. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm a number of states away, but give me a, give me a break if I'm, if I'm wrong. But if I'm mistaken, there was 52 raw whiskey distilleries in the greater Baltimore area before Prohibition. And since then, there's not any. And a number of Baltimore brands are on the market still, but they're not produced in the Baltimore area anymore. And Kevin wanted to bring part of that heritage back. And I think that's an awesome thing he's done for the area. I think it's an awesome thing he's done for flat out the history of whiskey distillation in the United States, period. And yeah, I admire him for that. I think he's, he's, like you said, he's a great visionary. And I think it's an awesome thing that he's done for the Baltimore area. And the rye whiskey heritage, rye whiskey history, all of that. I think it's a great thing that he's done, you know, to bring that back. Yeah, so. no. Maryland, that's the thing. It's funny things. People don't realize that, you know, we were distilling rye whiskey for about 150 years before Kentucky was even a state. And, and James Beam, Mary Beam, Basil Hayden all started distilling in Maryland before moving. And, I mean, there's such great history here. Um, that only Marylanders, of course, would share with you. Uh, and, you know, we, we did. We had, a, we had a tremendous amount of distilleries in, in Maryland in the early 1900s. Stayed open during Prohibition. It's one of the reasons Maryland's called the Free State. And then eventually switched things over to support the war efforts and started making ethanol. And one of the last distilleries closed its doors in 1982. And Maryland Rye Whiskey had such a reputation and was so well-perceived that even the distilleries in Kentucky wanted to own those names and 
Heaven Hill bought Pikesville Rye, which is a Maryland, uh, you know, distillery and, and a great, still a great whiskey today. I'll give it to them. But, you know, they wanted a piece of that history even themselves. And, and the cool thing is even, you know, the ethanol production for World War II, we're seeing something very similar today with all the distilleries, how we have switched over 100% of our operation to hand sanitizer. And I'll bring that up. Tell us we, about what y'all are doing and, and where the hand sanitizer is going and, and, and the part of the community you're giving back to. This is a great story by all the distilleries. Yeah, uh, it is a great story for all the distilleries. It is, it's an amazing story. So, um, you know, we closed down operations on, on March 15th completely and didn't expect to go back anytime soon. And then we started getting calls from area hospitals, local hospitals, and namely Johns Hopkins. And they called us and said, you got to get in the game. You need to step it up. We need help. We need the sanitate. We need hand sanitizer, other first responders, men and women on the front lines, police, fire departments, everybody. The phone just started ringing off the hook. We had no idea it was such a dire situation. And uh, luckily the government quickly reacted and, and, and made some regulation changes that allowed us to react and start, you know, supplying these guys with what they need. And we were fortunate enough to partner up with one of the greatest institutes in the world, Johns Hopkins, worked with their pharmacists, came in and developed a hand sanitizer that not only meets the World Health Organization standards, but also Hopkins and worked very closely with them. And, and we probably in the last just two days sent them about almost 3000 liters of hand sanitizer. And uh, we have a commitment to them and other hospitals for another 54,000 liters of hand sanitizer. And if we can continue to scale up and and get some other compounds that we need to help make sure we can get it to a denatured level and so forth. Our plan is to, to try and get up to 100,000 liters a month um, for the hospitals and the first responders, the men and women, the people that, you know, while we're staying home, there's a lot of people that are going out there and, and risking their lives to save the rest of us. And it's just our small little part that the distillery community is doing um, to help out. And I tell you, you know, you turn on the news and it doesn't feel great. But then you know what your team and other distilleries are doing to do their part and provide the service. And all of a sudden you realize there's still a lot of great things happening right now, which is exciting. Even on a local level, we've had um, our local fire department come in and buy 190 proof grain alcohol from us, from us this week so they can make their own hand sanitizer because they're having a hard time getting the supplies that they need you know, even on the local level right now, because so much of the supplies are going to some of the COVID-19 hotspots like New York and, you know, LA and Miami and stuff like that. So it's tragic. Yeah. Did you ever think something like that could ever happen? Never, no. never. No. I don't think any of us did. Nobody saw this coming, you know, and, and it's, and it, it's a big wake up call for the U S and, you know, you mentioned a lot of what, what the Baltimore area distilleries did during the war effort. I mean, we're kind of, doing the same thing right now. I mean, you know, right now, us in, in, as a liquor retailer, we're, as, we're an essential business. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that are coming in. They may not even know about, you know, using 190 proof grain alcohol as a hand sanitizer. You know, but us at the store, we've been mixing, you know, 50-50 with 190 proof grain alcohol, 80 proof vodka, and a little bit of peppermint oil. And we have our own hand sanitizer that we're using. That's great. Providing to every customer coming in. And, you know, people really appreciate it. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's little things like that, that 
are going to make the difference in ending this whole thing and us getting back to our normal lives. And, you know, compared to 9-11, I don't, I don't, we'll get back to close to normal, I think. I, th- I think we'll have some differences. But, um, you know, it was a big wake-up call for the U.S., I think. And, you know, I mean, you guys as an alcohol distiller, you know, what you make is ethyl alcohol. And, yeah. you know, it's it's beverage-grade, food-grade alcohol, and it can be used in hand sanitizer or anything. And I think it's hilarious. You know, I'll stand at the front of the store, you know, I'll spray people's hands when they walk in, then I'll turn and I'll spray it in my mouth. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> I, told you, I told you, they're alcoholics. Yeah, so I work for a chemical manufacturer, and we make um, – so far, eight different lines of chemistry. So we do water treatment, which is my division. We do cleaners, uh, oils, greases, and we also do sanitizers and cleaning stuff. So we have shifted our whole process to making strictly sanitizers. Wow. So it's been a it's been a change for us. And, of course, we're essential and we're out in the field still. But the hard part about it was is the first two weeks, we couldn't get anything to make anything. We couldn't get the stuff. So, I mean, everybody's in this. And luckily, I've been able to get my team of eight guys. I've been able to get them stuff to protect themselves because we are essential. We are taking care of air conditioners across the state or state of Georgia, really. So, I mean, I commend you for what y'all did. And and, and Carrie let us know about it. And I think it's awesome. I, I really I really appreciate it. I even though it's not helping my area. But there's others in our area doing the exact same thing, and I, I really commend those people too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. And I mean, like we said, let's just everybody, if everybody does their little part, we'll get there. Yep. It, it's, it's, it, it, you know, I hate, I talked to a guy last night on, on a chat, and it sucks that we have to unite over tragedies like 9 11 or a yeah. war or this. I hate that more than anything. I wish, I wish we had more common sense in this world, but. In this country too, but it's not there, so it's a downfall, man. I, I'm I'm glad I'm still able to put my guys out there working, but I also I dread having to send them out every day. So it's it, it's it's rough. If everybody would just stay home, we would be a whole lot better. That don't need to be out. Just stay home and stay out of our way. That would be awesome. Honestly, me and Bob were supposed to be practicing social distancing, but. We're drinking enough whiskey. I don't think it really matters, Rob. <laughs> I started. I started. I revisited uh, Daniel's pick, um, starting about two o'clock today, maybe. And this is my third bottle, but it was it was up here about the emblem, and it, it it's getting down there now. So I don't know if I'm gonna be. Her. <laughs> <laughs> and I call John alcoholics. What's the uh, what's the initials down there on that bottom label there, James? Uh, J S. J S. No, yeah. it's not. No, it's not. I know it. Y'all mark two names. It's either T C K or D T K. If you got a D T, you got a good one. I'm not sure out, son. See that right there? That's a D T K one right there. That's a good bottle right there. And D T K too. Hey, you got a good one. I bottled that one. So uh, what's um what, what's the future? So I, I read a bunch of articles and doing research for this, and and saw that people have asked you in the past about gins and vodkas. Have you have you thought about doing any type of bourbon? Well, you know we know uh, we know you know 
One thing I've learned is if you want to make a 10-year-old whiskey, it was a good idea to start 10, 11 years ago. So we're, we're, we've, talked, we've talked about it, but, you know, as you guys probably know, people in the, that are educated on the whiskey fronts here, we got started making our whiskey at MGP. Mm-hmm. And we took over all distillation in 2017. And our whiskey is not far off from finally being four years old. And so right now we're laser-focused on transitioning um not that we think mgp makes great whiskey that's why we started there but transition to our 100 percent maryland made whiskey and so that's where we're, we're laser focused on going and and you can follow along kind of we do a fun program called penny's proof where you can actually follow along and taste this program as it's getting ready get closer and closer to going in the bottle by joining our whiskey thieves program and so that's really where our efforts are are, are focused right now uh, but, uh, uh, I wouldn't say never say never, you know, but, uh, we're, we're focused on the, the ride for now. I would love to taste some of your distillate. Well, we you just a whiskey thieves program. You can, Bob. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm a whiskey thief. Bob, are you a whiskey thief? I'm always a whiskey thief. Now, cause we, um, we just went and picked several barrels out in Kentucky. And one of the things that I like doing was convincing someone to let me have a little taste off the still because I like tasting, you know, what are y'all taking off the still? I did. I just do. I think it, you know, provides a good insight to where you're going. So yeah, I'm going to ask Carrie, see if she can get me a little, just a little taste of the white dog. Um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, I don't like it. It's terrible. And I'm like, man, it, when you start drinking a lot of rice and a lot of bourbons, you can take that white dog and, and you, you can tell if you've got something good in the works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. I mean, we don't, we don't put anything in the barrel without tasting that white light lightning and making sure that that distillate that we're really proud of it. And if it, you know, it, it has to come off the still a capacity that you're already very happy with. Yeah. Um, and there, and you know, you get a lot of the earthiness out of it right then, you know, you get, you can really taste kind of the, the heart and soul of that whiskey at that moment before it's got any outside influences like, a, like wood sugars or barrels. So it's, it's it's fun to taste it, and it's incredibly important to taste it. I would like to taste your white dog just like Bob would, you know, just to kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into what you have coming in the future. You know, we can figure uh, something out for you guys. We're going to come back to. We got to get you back up to Baltimore. Yeah, we'll come back up to Baltimore. Once everything soon, calms so. down, uh, we'll go watch uh, uh, an Orioles game. We'll relax. Yep, we'll come watch uh, the O's lose again. Yeah, <laughs> got to get my papers to make sure I can cross the Mason Mason Dixon line. They don't, they don't let me up north much. You got to get James's papers first. Yeah. And then, so like, dad and I, my dad and I, we went up there last year and we bottled our barrel and we went to a, a nose game and they played the, uh, I think it was the Tampa Bay Rays. And they gave up 13 runs in the top of the first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, all right, well, let's go get a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think we'll I know the outcome of this. <laughs> Yeah, they got they got their work cut out for them, man. I think the the season being postponed for them wasn't probably the worst thing in the world. Yeah, they they well, can't lose now. <laughs> yeah, you can't lose but, now. <laughs> that being said, any if 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 any of our viewers and followers haven't visited the Baltimore area, you know, a lot of people make a pilgrimage up to the state of Kentucky, you know, and uh, tour distilleries and stuff like that. But if you haven't gone up to Baltimore and gone through the Baltimore area and, you know, seen the Bagamore Spirit Distillery and, 
you know, gone to Fort McHenry and seen where our national anthem was written. Uh, it's really cool to see that area. You know, it's really cool to see the uh, Sagamore Pendry Hotel, too. That's a great place to stay when you go up there. It's a beautiful place. There's a lot of really interesting history in the state of, in the state of Maryland, one, and then the greater Baltimore area, too. And um, there's a lot to do up there. And it's really a great town, and it's a fun place to visit. And it is a great place to go and eat some blue crab. I will say that everything everything is seasoned with Old Bay, but you know the blue crab are really good. They got any steaks up there? Yeah, they're seasoned with Old Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. It'll it'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you, Ryan, you might want to batten down the hatches when we show up because, as you can tell, we uh we have a good time. We have a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. start training now. Yeah, relax <laughs> the rules because if you have any posted rules for some reason, we 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 break them. I don't know why. <laughs> we yeah. might get asked to leave different areas. Particular. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: I went, with, I went to the Buffalo Trace Distillery with James earlier this year, and he hopped on top of the Buffalo statue there. So, if we come up there this summer, if we're available to, hopefully, you know, we can travel because of coronavirus and everything. I'm sure this all blow over by then. But once we get the our trip scheduled, we come up there. Do not let that man get around any of those racehorses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, you just thought a little short than the jockey. He weighs a lot. He might be able to fit in your shirt, but he weighs a lot more than the jockeys. Hey, that horse will never run so damn fast in his life. Get him off me. I'm, I'm sorry, Brian. I think I just burned an image into your head for life. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. I'm nervous, but I'm looking forward to your visit. <laughs> Our main goal when we go, when we do this, I will pull on a pair of silks. Yeah. I will do the Sagamore Silks Challenge. <laughs> yeah. We make sure that people remember us. That that's our main goal. When I go anywhere, I make sure somebody remembers me, and they have a good time. And we've we walked in, and 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 one one girl said, "Man, you're that idiot from Facebook." <laughs> <laughs> I view Wait, that as a win. <laughs> was that one of your daughters? Huh? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> James, like I can go home. He didn't say no. <laughs> he didn't say, <laughs> say no. <laughs> so. Brian, I know you got a busy schedule. We, we got you for an hour. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. It's uh, Friday. It's Friday. It is Friday. Uh, I appreciate you you coming on and, and talking with us and, and you know, uh, sharing some stories, sharing a little bit of time. And I hope you and your family have a great weekend and y'all stay safe. Stay safe. That'll be an editing moment. Stay safe through all of this. <laughs> and I'm going to go back to drinking some rye because I'm at home and I don't got to drive nowhere. Guys, I can't thank you enough for helping build this brand and getting us started down there in the South. Uh, it means the world to us. Carrie speaks so highly of you. She thinks the world of you. And thank you so much for the support. Thank you for letting me come on your show. It's an absolute honor. I hope someday I get to come back. Look forward to hosting you uh, in Baltimore. I'll, we'll, we'll make sure there's still some plenty of hand sanitizer around. Thanks again, guys, and, and please, be, you and your families, be safe, be well. You too. Well, you too. Y'all have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you.